0: Thank you, Marcus. Excellent. Well, I'm privileged to get to be here and to share with you guys this morning. I guess I'm always here, but I just don't always get to share, and so that's a privilege. Thank you. Um, Pastor Mike is down celebrating with uh, Fuel Church. Uh, It's their seventh year anniversary uh, as a ministry and as a church, and so he was invited to go down there and be a a part of that, and so it was an honor for him and a privilege to get to go and and so in to Pastor Dan, who we've been running with, and he uh, comes up sometimes and is a part of our staff meetings, and we do worship events with them, and so it's really great to be a part of what's happening in Monument and to celebrate with what God's doing there. This morning, I want to share with you something the Lord's been speaking uh, to my heart over the last month. Um, It started with just a phrase in a prayer meeting, and then the Lord began to unpack it with me uh, over the last, I don't know, four or five weeks, and and from week to week, uh, it's still the same phrase, but he's sort of showing me how it kind of spills into these different areas of our life. So uh, as we get started, I want to share that same thing with you so that you can hear it, but my hope is that uh, the Lord would use it to prick different areas of your life, that each of us, even though we're hearing kind of the same thing, each of us would be able to leave today thinking of one specific area or one specific aspect of our life that this Uh, could be communicating about. And so it was about a month ago, we're in a prayer meeting. It was during our time of prayer and fasting, where we had partnered with several other churches. And so we were at a meeting up at uh, Bridgeway Church, uh, a prayer meeting with other ministry leaders and pastors that were committed in this time of prayer and fasting. And and we're going, and we had just finished uh, a similar time of worship, and we're all sort of listening to the Lord, waiting for His leading, reading some different scriptures, and and generally just spending time with Him. And, um, and sort of through the silence, I, I feel this impression, and I have sort of this thought. And this is, I'm, I'm saying all this to give you insight to how I hear from the Lord. A lot of times people ask, well, how, you know, how do, how do you hear from the Lord? This is just insight. This part isn't important, but this is insight. Uh, so kind of an impression on my heart. Oh, like, something is happening. I'm hearing something. And then I have this sort of thought. And uh, normally, just to sort of give you the baseline, my thoughts are like, what was that scripture reference? Someone will read something and be like, what did he say? And I miss it. So that, uh, or it's, what are we going to eat after this meeting is over? Uh, we were fasting, so it was, what am I going to eat after this fast? And those are normally like, that's my baseline thoughts. Like nothing real crazy going on in, in my head. And, uh, and so I, I feel this impression, just sort of like a... I don't know how to describe it—a weight, or a, a stirring, or a quickening, something like that—and then I ha- I hear this thought: "Beware your conservatism." And I thought, "Oh," but it's like middle of January, and I'm thinking, "Well, Lord, like that was back in November." Because my mind immediately went to politics. I was like, "That I don't. I'm not really thinking about that right now." Because again, like my baseline thoughts, I'm normally like, you know, leading up to an election, I'll think about politics and then afterwards it's I get distracted by so many other things and it's not really on the forefront of my mind so I hear this word from the Lord beware your conservatism and I'm and I'm thinking okay like and so my mind's just sort of racing through politics and then because I I feel like it's the Lord I don't normally talk to myself like that like Andrew beware of what you're about to eat like I don't Normally, it's just like, oh, maybe I shouldn't eat that. And the, the language is just different. So I'm feeling this, and I'm like, God, this is you, but I don't understand it. And so I'm, I'm but I'm open to it, and I'm repentant, and I'm like, okay, God, well, I don't know. Like, I, I'm sorry if I got swept up in things. I know that, you know, Jesus doesn't, he's not registered with a political party, and so he reigns above it all. And so I'm, I like, I'm trying to just put my head in, like, a correct spot. Like, I'm trying to, like, renew my mind with the word, and I'm thinking, okay, I heard this from the Lord, and this feels like, stern. It's not just like, oh, Andrew, I love you. It was like, beware. And I was like, okay. And so as I'm going through this, uh, one of the pastors got up, and he turns to Ephesians 5.18, and he reads off a scripture that says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm sort of only half hearing him, because my internal dialogue is still like, all right, Lord, what does this mean? What are you trying to say to me? Like, um. You know when i hear conservatism my mind just immediately goes to like conservative versus liberal or blue and red and and it's just politics but i'm thinking like there must be more to this and then the lord like grabs me with this ephesians passage and what he begins to unpack with me is he shows me that um in uh in the context that that paul was writing to the church in ephesus the context of how he was writing was a group of uh formerly unsaved people uh, that had been saved into this church. And the culture that they were coming out of was a culture that celebrated and, uh, and, and worshipped a god Dionysus. And they did so with, uh, with pagan revelry, is what we'll call it. But they would get um, wildly drunk in order to sort of um, release their mind so that they could worship this, uh, this idol god in, in their spirit. And so Paul is writing to them and he's saying, hey, stop literally getting drunk. And instead, this practice of worship that you used to have, take that same concept and apply it with being filled with the Holy Spirit. So a culture that knew drunkenness very well, he was saying, don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit in that same way. And what the Lord was impressing on my heart is my conservatism towards being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was taken back to like my upbringing, which I'm I'm so thankful for. But I grew up in in Dallas in sort of the the Bible belt of uh sorry of the belt buckle of the Bible belt of the South. And and in the community where I was, a small suburb outside of the city, um, everybody went to church and everybody knew the right things to say, and everybody knew all the songs on Caleb. Love. And it was just like it was a pretty it was a pretty Christian a conservative area to grow up, and so uh, with the church I was a part of, like, drinking was a big no-no, and, and so if you did it, it was behind closed doors, and it was just a sip, one and you're done, two and you're through, never a third, and, uh, and so, uh, like, that was really great in the practical sense of, like, you know, praise God, like, I, Drinking and substance abuse was never a problem in my family because when you grow up in that environment, like it just, it's, it stops there. It had been an issue in, in some of my, our extended family and we'd seen it hurt other families and so it was like, oh great, like this is something like we're standing on this and, and this isn't going to be a problem for our family. So that was great, but what the Lord was showing me is like with that, I had begun to read scripture through my own lens and not necessarily in the way that like it was uh, originally written which happens often. I mean, we're separated by thousands of years from this culture, and sometimes it's hard to understand exactly what they were going through or what they understood or how those words would have, would have hit them or struck them. And so I'm reading this, don't get drunk, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, okay, so I'll take a little sip of the Holy Spirit, you know, maybe, maybe one glass and then we're done, and, and that's enough. Uh, and what the Lord was showing me is that I was, I was withholding and I was, I was sort of shutting off. So again, I'm, I'm in this prayer meeting, and I'm sort of processing this. The Lord's taking me through a few different uh, stories in Genesis where people get wildly drunk, and it's embarrassing. And, uh, and I'm thinking, okay, like there's this, there's this greater filling that God is calling me to. And so I'm, I'm seeing this, I'm thinking about this, I'm processing this, he's speaking to me in my heart about this. And then we're noticing, because we're in a, a prayer meeting, with, with several other ministries and several other churches, uh, many of which are different than ourselves. Everything from like uh, orthodox and, and structured and high church liturgy and, and, and those things to like very, very Pentecostal charismatic and everything in between. And so what I'm doing is as I'm like processing this, the meeting is still going on and I'm seeing other people interacting with God and with Holy Spirit. I'm watching their expression and their experience of faith. Their expression and their experience of the kingdom of God. And I'm watching it. And so some people, it's mild-mannered, and they're just sitting there. And then for other people, it's manifesting in different ways. There's some shaking, there's some like, whoa, and like different things. And and I'm somewhere in the middle, leaning a little bit more towards just like sitting there. and and uh, And it's interesting. So as I'm processing through this, the Lord is showing me these things, and whereas normally I would have just said, well, that's not me, and I would have blamed it on a personality type, or, well, this is how God made me, what, he, what the Lord was cautioning, cautioning me on was, hey, beware that you don't stop what I want to do just because it looks different. Beware that you don't shut off what I want to do because it's a little uncomfortable. And so as he was taking me through this, he was beginning to, to show me in my own life where I had this need to control and I had uh, some, some pride in looking distinguished. And not to say that every encounter with God needs to be over the moon flailing with lots of flags. But what the Lord was, was showing me is, if the reason I'm not doing that is because of pride, that's an issue. And if the reason I'm not doing that is because I need to control and I don't want to give up control, I don't want to go face down on the floor before the Lord because well, the floor is dirty and I wore my Sunday best, like, that becomes a problem. The Lord cares more about my heart position in worship than that I put on a nice, a nice shirt. And if the nice shirt is keeping me from getting on the floor before the Lord, he'd much rather me take off the nice shirt. And that's what the Lord was beginning to walk me through, is I was seeing these, these other experiences or these other expressions, and I was thinking, oh, but that's not me, Lord. And he was saying, beware of why that's not you. And so he speaks, beware your conservatism, I immediately go to politics, and then I sort of realize, oh, it's not necessarily about politics. And then, and then I'm realizing, oh, it's, it might have something to do with, with the way I'm allowing God to be filled. I was, I was, you know, I was saying, oh, no, no, I've had enough, uh, you know, no, don't, don't, no more for me, Holy Spirit, I'm filled, and he was like, you've only had an ounce, like, you're okay, like, let's, let's turn this up a little bit, let's party. And I was thinking, no, 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 I have to keep composed. I have to be dignified. And the Holy Spirit was showing me, what if that's not what I have for you? And so I was beginning to begin to wrestle and move through this. I was limiting the Holy Spirit to just some, some Holy Spirit goosebumps, just a, a tingle down the spine instead of a real just like, okay, God, I'm going full bore into this, and you can have it all, and you can knock me out. And as I was still like... Keeping with this theme of, of the Ephesians 5, where it's, he's comparing this drunkenness and wine with, with, uh, with being filled with the Spirit, I was thinking back to times, and, and I'll try and remove myself one more, uh, where friends of friends had, had been overserved or had had too much, and, and they begin to interact in such a way, and other people around them are like, oh, you know, don't mind them that's just the alcohol talking, or that's just the wine talking, you know? They'll, they'll say something that it's like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Well, that's just the wine. That's not them. And what I was thinking, what the Holy Spirit was, like, impressing in my heart was, what if we got to a place where our behavior and our actions was so that people were like, oh, that's not, that's not Andrew. That's just the Holy Spirit. Like, you'll have to forgive him. His kindness, that's not him in the flesh. That's the Holy Spirit his patience, the way that he loved that person, or how he radically was generous. Oh, that's not him. You'll have to excuse him. That's the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking, oh man, I have never gotten to that point where I was so filled with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit was beginning to do things in my life that I no longer had control of, or, or I had uh, these inhibitions where I was just like letting loose, and I was like, oh, here's a prophetic word, and like, here's a gift of, of money, and here's me being generous, and like, let me help you out, and I had never gotten to this place where it was like Andrew disappeared and it was just the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord was, was cautioning me like, hey, you're being conservative in the way that you're holding back. That you're still holding on to your life and you're not letting the Holy Spirit fill you to this place where you're intoxicated with the Spirit. Where you're just bubbling over with this thing that is no longer you. It's the thing inside of you. When you grow up in a conservative way, and this isn't, you know, just the South or just this or just that denomination or whatever. But when you have a conservative view of, of how much you're allowing yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit, sometimes you can, you can imagine it, um, like the, the way we drive and uh, some of the, I don't know how to say this in a great way. There's old cars and then there's like some old cars and then there's like new cars, okay? I'm going somewhere with this. When I learned how to drive, I had an old car. It was my dad's old car and it was very old and I learned to to drive on it. And it didn't have any of the GPS or the navigation or wayfinding, anything. And in Dallas, uh, there's, well, Texas, North North Texas in general, it's pretty flat. And so here in Colorado, like, if you're driving, you're like, oh, which way am I going? you just, mountains are always west. Unless you're in the mountains and then it's confusing because then they're all around you. But as long as you're on the front range, mountains are west, and you can pretty much orient yourself. In the plains, it's, it's all just flat. And so sometimes the sun, you're like, oh, it's setting in the west. And you're like, okay, never eat soggy waffles. And then you, you figure it out. But when it's noon and the sun's right above you, or if it's nighttime, and there's really, like, no big mountain ranges to distinguish, you get driving and you're like, man, which way am I supposed to be going? I know that my house... Is like east of the city, and so I need to go east. But you sort of get turned around on these big like interstate. It was a mess. So I was sixteen. I'm learning to drive, and it's a pain. Then I had driven a car that was still old, but newer than old old. And in the rearview mirror, it had a digital compass. And I was like, This is so great! Like I can look up, and I any time I want, I can look up, and I can see. Oh, I'm headed north. I need to be going east. And I can, I can begin to recalculate. I, you know, No matter where I'm at, no matter where I'm, sun is up, sun is down, doesn't matter. I can look to that rearview mirror and I can see my compass and I can know exactly which way I'm headed. And I can fact check that against where I need to go. And when you grow up with a conservative view of Holy Spirit, that's a lot of times how you, how you use it. The Bible is, is your map. This tells me where I need to go. Holy Spirit is telling me which direction I'm going. And between the two, I can recalibrate and I can get there. And for a lot of people, that's pretty good. Like, that's not bad, as I describe it, especially if you're coming from the old, old way, where you don't even know what's right, and you don't know where you're at, and and you're far from God, and there is no Holy Spirit speaking in your life. Like, this is definitely an upgrade. I was very thankful for that. But not long ago, uh, I went and I did a test drive for kicks and giggles um, up at Park Meadows in a Tesla. Have any of you guys done that? It's wild. It's wild. So Tesla's um, have this. Uh, they're working towards autonomous driving, where the car drives itself. So the uh, the sales guy or whatever is on the test drive with me, and and I'm driving it like a normal car. And we get on the interstate, and then he's like, okay, and he like does some buttons or does some things, and then he's like, okay, take your hands off the wheel. And I'm like, okay, like you know, like <laughs> look, mom, no hands. Like I can do this. And, uh, and then he's like, no, 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 seriously, like, you can do this. And I had read, and I had seen some videos, and I was like, I, I know, but, but, you know, you do it one way for, you know, a decade, and then you're like, okay, I, you know, you, I've, I have to hold on, we're going to crash, I'm doing 75 on the interstate, I can't just let go, and he's like, no, 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 it's great. And so we let go, and the car is driving, and then, like, he tells me to change lanes, and so I just hit the signal, and the whole car just, like, merges, it clears traffic, it waits for a car to go by, and then it merges over. And what the Lord was showing me is I had for, for so long, even just until recently, I had been using Holy Spirit as, a, as my compass, digital compass, in my rearview mirror, and we were getting along pretty good, but I was still doing a lot of the driving. It would tell me where, where to go, and I still had a choice of like, well, I'm going north. I know I'm supposed to be going east, but I'll just take this up a few more blocks and then I'll go east. You know, I could do that. I was still in control and I I was still doing this. Holy Spirit was telling me what I should be doing and I could reference it anytime I needed, but he wasn't in full control. And what the Lord was inviting me into, where he was saying, hey, be cautious of how conservative you're being in the way that you're letting Holy Spirit fill you. He says, step out into this Uncomfortableness a little bit, where you can take your hands off, and you put it in the destination, and the car begins to take you there. Not even like I'm not even picking which route. The car's just like, oh, don't worry, I got it. Like read a book or something, and I'm like, oh, okay. And the Holy Spirit is inviting us into this journey where it's no longer us just using Him to see like, oh, am I still on course? Am I still going east? I was supposed to go east. Am I still going east? And instead, He's saying, let me drive this thing entirely. I want you to be so filled with me that your hands are off the wheel you're not you're not you know cutting people off or doing any of this but instead like you're letting me take care of it you're letting me lead you're letting me navigate you're letting me drive you're letting me accelerate and decelerate you're letting me do all of these things but in a conservativeness I was saying no no it's okay God I got this I'm a pretty good driver myself and he was like I think I'm better The other thing he was showing me is the Holy Spirit isn't just our, our wayfinder. He's not just our, our navigator, or if you get that upgrade, the autonomous driving where he drives it for you. He was also showing me how the Holy Spirit is, is the power in the vehicle. And, um, and so what the Lord was taking me back to is, uh, how many remember the cartoon The Flintstones? The Flintstones, yes. The, the, also the gummy vitamin. But mostly in the cartoon, they had a car that they would all jump in, and then they had to, like, move it with their feet. Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? The, the car had no bottom, and it had wheels, but there was no drivetrain. And so they would jump into it, and then they would, like, kick their feet real fast, and that's how they moved the car. For so many of us, like, that's how we jump through life. Like, we've still got God in the, in the rear view with the north, south, east, west, and he's helping us navigate and checking our course. But then when he tells us to go do something, we jump into our car and we're like, no, I got it. Like, and we, we're kicking our feet as fast as we can. And we're making movement so we never stop or we never reassess. and We never think, well, is this really the, the Christian life? Is this really everything that Jesus died for? Because we're making forward progress and we think we're better than we were last year. So it's probably pretty good. But instead the Lord was showing me like, no, no, no. Let's put a V8 in there, or let's put whatever super engine you like, or even I already promoted Tesla, like they've got a zero to 60 that's incredible. Let's put one of those on there. And the Lord was showing me this sort of upgrade, and the and the best part about it was not just that you go faster, but you know how much easier it is to go faster when you've got an actual engine in your car, when it's not just you like trying to like do it by yourself, when it's not just you trying to like push a car up up a hill, but instead you just just a little, and watch me close on this one, just a little bit of that, that's all it takes with your foot, and then all of a sudden this thing launches off, it shoots up, you're doing 80 up a mountain. It's incredible that with with Holy Spirit, we can almost get to this place where, where less is more. And not almost, we can. With Holy Spirit, we can get to this place where less is more, where it takes less effort on my part to accomplish more, because now we're in this spot where we're so filled with the Holy Spirit that people are saying, oh, that's not, that's not Andrew anymore. That's the Holy Spirit. I want to I wanna show you how it's been hitting me, and hopefully this will resonate with some of you. In Galatians 6, the scripture lists off the fruit of the Spirit, and it says, you know, the, the Spirit produces these things in your life. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness gentleness faithfulness and, and self-control all really great qualities and and in a conservative viewpoint of the Holy Spirit where are again jumping back to this analogy where where Holy Spirit is my wayfinder it's my compass it's showing me which way to go uh, I read those scriptures and I think okay I need to have love joy peace patience the whole thing but the way I get to it is in a Flintstone car I wake up in the morning I think okay I got to try and be more kind to my kids and I got to try to be more loving to my spouse and I got to try and be more, uh, more faithful to God. I got to read my Bible more. And I, and I jump out of bed and I immediately jump into that Flintstone car and I say, okay, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to try real hard and I'm going to do it my best. and I'm going to give it my all. And man, my feet are moving fast. And that Flintstone car is crawling, but it's making forward progress. And that's where a lot of us are. Like, We think we're doing it all right because like, we're making that progress. But it is exhausting. The end of the day comes and you're like, well, I didn't do it that well. There was a lot of spots where I could have done better. So tomorrow I'm going to work harder at it and I'm going to try more and I'm going to be more loving and I'm going to be more kind and I'm going to do this. And then we come to a a conference. The conference last weekend was absolutely incredible. Uh, Leif and, and Dan, they both talked about loving in phenomenal ways, Leif talks about, he's got this life message about chairs, and I've heard it for years, and this was like the first time that it like started to click, because the Lord was talking to me about all this stuff, so he's talking about these different chairs, and I'm thinking, yeah, I've been in chair two, which chair two is where you see, you see the problem, but you don't always see the the promise, I'm thinking, I've been in chair two, because this whole time, like I've been in a Flintstone car, trying to do it myself, and the, the problem of trying to get a car up a hill is a big problem when you've only got your feet underneath the car but the problem of getting a car up a, up a hill or up a mountain when you've got a V8 is nothing like that's not an issue at all and so so the lord was showing me like that's that's the difference between share 2 and share 1 and i'm thinking oh and so instead of waking up in the morning thinking okay i've got to do it even better than i did yesterday i worked hard yesterday didn't quite get it so i got to work even harder Instead, it's, oh, I have to be filled more with the Holy Spirit, so now it's just oozing out of me, and it's no longer me trying to flintstone my way up this hill, it's now me just like, okay, God, like, do doot, doot, like, let's take off, let's go. We were working at it backwards when we look at the fruits of the Spirit, or we look at be holy as I am holy, or we look at any of these scriptures that describe sort of an end goal in the Christian life, where we're supposed to be sanctified, or be working out our salvation, or we're supposed to um, be kind, and, and, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, love is this, and love is that, and you look at it, and you think, okay, now I've got more to do, and it just feels like all this, like, pressure and all of this performance and it feels like all of these expectations of like I'm not a good Christian if I don't do these things and so we sort of back our way into it of okay well I'm goal-oriented and I want to accomplish these goals so now I've got to work really hard to do this and to do that and to do that and we sort of lose track of the best part of it all of, of just Jesus and him crucified and his life replaces our life because we've been so conditioned to think of it as, as Christianity as an add-on to our life. That he's just a little bit of a fuel additive to our gas tank. Or he's just a, a little bit icing on the cake, you know. But it's not. In this, that's a conservative view of, of a Christian life. That Jesus would just add on a few extra things. That he'd make us a little nicer, or a little better, or a little smarter the radical nature of it is that we die and we are born again and it's Christ that lives in us. And that's, that's so hard logically sometimes because you wake up the next morning and you're like, still me, like you look in the mirror and you're like, yeah, still me, still all of me. And it's really difficult because the, in the natural, nothing changes. But in the spiritual, everything changes. But every morning, you have to renew your mind with this, and you have to refill up with Holy Spirit, and you have to say, okay, Lord, I need to get filled, but not just a little filled. I need to get so filled that it's just you coming out of me. I need to get so filled that I'm out of my mind, that I'm not trying to think of how to comprehend it, but you're just doing it. And that's difficult sometimes. Sometimes we, we unlock a few things, and I want to get there, But for most of us this has been hard because if we haven't heard it taught we didn't even know it was possible and if we had heard it taught people like dan and leif we see them and we think how could they be so loving they just must be built different like they're not they're not like us they're special and what i want to tell you this morning is like we can be special too because it's not necessarily that they aren't special they are they're unique and to get to talk to them off of a stage is still just as powerful as hearing them speak when they're on a stage but we can be that special too, that God can fill us with his spirit so much that we look just like that, that we look just like Jesus, because that's his intention. Okay, so we've been backing into this thing the whole time. Uh, We've been, and I say we, really I mean I. I'm preaching this to myself. I have been backing into this thing the whole time. I was looking at the list of things that I should be and I thought, I'm going to work really hard to be this list. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to do this. And I'm trying trying my hardest. I'm still referencing Holy Spirit in the rear view. And I'm looking at the north, south, east, west. Or maybe yours is on your dash, wherever. It doesn't matter. And you're looking at it, and you're like, okay, i, I got to recalibrate. Or i got to recalibrate. And I'm doing this several times during the day. But I'm not just letting him drive. The Lord's been speaking this again in another way. Because remember, I told you, he spoke it once back a month ago and then he's been unpacking it with me for like a month. And so he's been using my wife, she's been, uh, she has this phrase now where she's talking about, I don't don't want a destination, let's do a journey. And so it started when we went on a road trip and and we're in the car and we're like not even out of Castle Rock yet and she is, she's relaxed. She's enjoying it and she's having fun. And meanwhile I'm stressed because the vacation doesn't start until we get to our destination which is ten hours away because I'm a destination person by nature. And so she's like, no, 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 like, let's enjoy the journey. And I'm like, I will enjoy the vacation when it starts in El Paso. Like not, not we're still in Castle Rock. Like the vacation hasn't started yet. This is home, we're not on vacation. And she's like, no, like she's kicking her her shoes off, she's putting her feet up on the dash. She's like, we are relaxing, we're in vacation mode. And I'm like, no, vacation starts when we get to our destination. And so the Lord's been, like, using this to unpack. So finally, after several days of driving, we do this incredible tour of the Southwest. It's beautiful. I begin to learn, like, okay, the journey is important. It's not just about the destination. You can have fun in the journey. And so I'm beginning to understand it, but I'm still a little dense. So we come back, and the season changes, and now um, Luna's Luna's talking about it with food. So many times uh, I see food. I enjoy food. I love food. But I see it as just, like, kind of fuel, and so I'll grab a slice of cold pizza out of the fridge and, and I'll eat it while I'm standing over the sink. <laughs> have any of y'all? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Been there. So, so it's just like, oh, I want to eat this. Uh, and there's, I'm enjoying it, but I'm enjoying it so fast that it's over. And I think, oh, man, I already ate that. Maybe I'll eat a second piece. And it's all just like, it's a destination of I want to eat pizza. And so now I've eaten the pizza and I'm done. And it wasn't a, a journey. But Luna and her family have this incredible way of, of journeying through a meal where like one meal will sometimes last three hours and that's very, very different than eating a slice of pizza over the sink in 45 seconds. It's two very different experiences and expressions and so I'm, I'm trying to learn from this as the Lord's highlighting it in my life. He'll use beautiful things like this, like food, and teach you spiritual truths about it. So we're going and it's, you know, you start with like getting the kids fed because that makes them happy and so... The first time the waitress comes by, okay, yeah, we need uh, grilled cheese sandwich for this one and nuggets for that one. Bring those ASAP. And so that's first course is them eating. And then it's like, okay, and we'll take chips and guac for the table. And then, okay, and now it's like, and we're moving through this, and it's a journey, and we're not rushing. It's like, no, 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 don't even look at the entrees yet. Like, we're still enjoying this. Like, we're going to be here a while. This is fun, and this is great. They're Latin, so that's like in their blood. And I'm thinking, oh, we're going to be here a while? Like, I... I'm gonna put more quarters in the meter, like I wasn't prepared for this. This wasn't what I thought. We were, I thought it was just a quick like grab and go, like all right, like everything all at once and we'll just we'll eat it, dessert in one hand, entree in the other and like, let's just be done. And when you look at the Christian life through this lens of journey and destination, it can be so easy to just see the destination of, oh, I wanna live the way God told me to live. And you can totally lose sight of the journey And there is so much to be experienced in the journey of becoming who he calls us to be and not just striving to be it. Not waking up in the morning saying, okay, I have to do this and I have to do this, but just saying, okay, Holy Spirit, I need you today. And stopping there, not even, God, I need you today so that I'm doing this, this, and this. We're not using him as a prop to to get somewhere. He's not a crutch to just make us a little bit better, or he's not like some rollerblade so we can like move a little bit more efficiently. He's, he's, God, we need you because we need you. We need you because we love you, and we want you because we're infatuated with you. Like we're so adore you, and when that becomes your heart position, you become to get filled with him in that way. Everything else just comes out naturally. And you don't have to try and pull yourself up by your bootstraps or flintstone your way to your next objective, it just becomes like different and easy. And and somehow less becomes more, that I'm doing less and he's doing more because I'm surrendering my life to him and I'm not trying to hold on or control it, which is what he had said to me originally. He said, "If if you're not letting yourself experience this depth of my love because you have to remain in control, that's a problem. And so I'm releasing control to him, and I'm letting him begin to do so much so that I can finally begin to get to that place where it's, oh, that's not Andrew. That's just the spirit. That's not Andrew. That's just the Jesus inside of him. So being conservative with our expressions and our experience of God, being conservative with how God navigates our life, being conservative with what powers our life, being conservative with how we're filled with the Holy Spirit, being conservative in all these ways, being conservative with our faith of what we'll choose to believe God for. Um, Pastor Mike shared a a testimony, I think it was two or three weeks ago now. Time flies and I, I don't remember. But he was praying, it was somewhere early on a Saturday morning, and he prayed for a guy with leg pain. And the guy was like, oh, it's totally healed. And then he went somewhere else and someone had a leg pain. He was like, we just saw someone healed. Like, let me pray for you. And I prayed for him. Oh, legs healed. This is awesome. Praise God. And then they're at the food bank later that day. And someone comes in and they're like, yeah, I've had leg pain for six and a half years. And Mike was telling this to the staff. He was like, I got really nervous because I knew like, oh, leg pain, like God's been healing leg pain. But those were like small. Like this guy had had a break that never healed right and six and a half years of pain. And so he was telling us in his mind, he was like, ooh, like, I don't know if God can heal that one which of course is silly, like we know God can. And, and so he ends up praying for him. The dude does get healed, it's miraculous, it's incredible, but just that same sort of way where sometimes we're conservative in our faith, like, oh, you've got this issue? Okay, we can pray for that. Oh, you've got that issue? Oh, good luck with that, I don't know. That's, that's beyond us. Conservative in our faith, conservative in our prayer, our prayers sometimes, again, I'm talking to myself, I just hope some of you resonate with this, our prayers sometimes are just in between tasks of like god like man i really need your help today da 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 da, da. or god I, I really want you to provide in this situation ya da da, da 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 and they're they're quick like sos messages back to home base of like hey send reinforcements we're out on the front line and we're dying and I think that's a conservative view of all that God has for us. As I read through the scripture and I try to make this my truth, not just my experiences my truth or not my upbringing my truth, but I make this my highest truth, I think that my communion and my connection with God it needs to be more than that. It's okay if that's a piece of it. It's okay if to send those SOSs when you're drowned in you're... you're you're Peter and you thought you could walk on water and then you find out, no, 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 I got distracted. And you're like, Jesus, help save me. And Jesus reaches out. Those are great prayers. Jesus answered those. He pulls them out of the water. But there's also all the moments where we see Jesus in the New Testament and the Gospels where he goes off to find a place to pray. And he's not just praying like, Lord, Peter's really gonna mess it up today. I hope you help me deal with him. (laughs) He's not just asking for help. He's connecting with his father because he loves his father. He's connecting with the God in heaven because he's being filled. Not because he needs something in that moment, but just because he wants to be connected. Because he wants to have a powerful connection, not just a, not just a, like a, in case of emergency, break glass and, and hit this button and God will send a few angels or something. Like that's not, that wasn't Jesus' highest. His highest was, I'm going to get away from it all. I'm going to silence the noise in my life. And I'm going to spend some time with my Father just because I want to spend some time with my Father. And so we need to, we need to imitate that. We need to, to have this this dedicated time with the Lord, not out of religion and not out of, uh, well, if I do this, then he'll do this. Not this transactional thing with God, but we need to recondition our hearts where, where we are spending consistent, dedicated time with him because we love him. And the more we do that, the more we will love him and the easier it becomes. And spending time with him doesn't feel awkward, like a first date, like, oh, so you're into music? Oh, okay, cool. me. I listened to a song once. That's great, yeah. (laughs) Instead, it's like a beautiful relationship that you've had for years that you know each other better now than ever before, and spending time with each other is just so much fun. That's where we want to get to. We don't want to be conservative with our prayer of, well, I just talk to God when I need something. We want to lavish that time with Him. We don't want to be conservative in our giving, we don't want to be conservative in our generosity having a limited view of of what we have access to or what we have, making decisions out of our lack mentality instead of making decisions out of a a kingdom abundance. We don't want to be conservative with our life, volunteering or giving or inviting people into our home and giving up our time. Most precious resource we have, but instead we choose to give it freely to the people around us, investing our life in them and sowing into them and blessing them. I don't want to be conservative with my reputation. Oh, what will they think if I do this? God, I'm in the middle of a grocery store. You want me to pray for this guy now, here? Let me wait till we're out in the parking lot. Just me and him. It'll be easier. I'll stalk him to his car. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to be conservative in that way. I, I want it. if we want the testimonies, like the people, uh, gosh, who's the, Robbie Dawkins. He's the one who talks about faith is spelled R-I-S-K, and he says, you got to turn up the risk. And he's the one who's, who's he's got beautiful testimonies. And if we want testimonies like that, we've got to do the stuff. And so in the grocery store, he'll, be, he'll not only pray for the guy, but he'll make a big scene about it. He'll be like, hey, who wants to see a miracle? Anyone want one? We're passing them out right here. Come on in, line up. Everyone gather around. This guy's going to pray for his own need. It's going to get healed. And everyone else is like, wow. But because I'm reserved, because I'm conservative, because I'm dignified, because I'm in control of my life, and because I'm only referencing Holy Spirit when I need to recalibrate, I'll say, oh, God, like, he's got a crutch, he's okay, he'll, he'll be fine. It looks like it's healing. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I think, you know, I'll just, Lord bless his soul, in Jesus' name. Yes, this will be all, I'm leaving. And that's, that's sometimes where I find myself. But the Lord is calling me into these deep waters, these deep places where it's like we're not in control anymore. The Lord's been speaking to our staff about Ezekiel, I believe it's 47 where uh, the Lord takes this prophet and he shows him this vision and it's a, a, a river and he steps into it and it's like just up to his ankles and then it's up to his knees and then it's his waist and then like he's lost in it. Like the thing, it's over his head and it's carrying him away and it's out of control and I think a lot of us are on the bank, myself included, are on the bank saying, God, fill me up and he's like, take some more steps and we're like, here's good, just fill me right here, please. If you could just, you know, in this spot would be great because it's up to my knees and don't want to get my, my shorts wet. And... But it's a conservative view. We're still conserving our life. We're still conserving our control. We're still conserving our reputation and our pride. And all of these things have to, have to die for Christ to live in us. So we're not going to be conservative with our reputation. We're not going to be conservative with our hope. Of what of what Jesus can do and will do and will continue to do, I wrote down some funny things of like thinking like, what if Jesus was conservative? What if like you know he just finished his preaching to five thousand and then the report comes back and they're like, hey Jesus, that was a really good sermon, really long. I mean it was good, but it was really really long. Everyone is very very hungry. If we send them back home, they might faint. It's been so long since they last ate. And what if he was like, ooh, okay. Divide them up. Uh, the strong will survive. We're going to send those home. We can only afford to feed the weak ones, so let's do that. And I was thinking of these different times when, like, you know, oh, he's, he's on his way, and someone comes, in, Jerry is my daughter, she's, she's sick. And then someone comes, and they're like, oh, don't trouble the teacher, she's dead. And what if he was like, okay, yeah, let's keep assuming she's dead just in case this doesn't go well, and we'll go, and I'll pray for her still, but I don't want you to get your hopes up yet. Instead, he says, no, 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 she's just asleep. It's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll still go there. But what if he was conservative? What if he's like, no, 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 let's, uh, okay, yeah, that's good. Let's assume she's dead, and, you know, if it works, great, and if not, I'll bless the ceremony. Like, I'll pray, I'll do her eulogy. That'll be nice. A conservative Jesus would be not worth following. A conservative Jesus would be, like, empty and powerless. I don't, I don't want to be that way. I wanna be filled with the Spirit so much. But the last point I wanna leave you guys with this morning is that being filled with the Spirit isn't just for us. I talked about feeling those Holy Spirit goosebumps and the tingle down your spine, and woo, and when a conference comes, like getting a little into it, dancing a little. That's not just for us. Like that's gotta be for something else. It's not just so that we feel good or so we get a little tipsy in the Spirit. Like it's not, no, when we get filled, there has to be changed lives because of it. Let's look at two verses. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 13. Uh, In Acts chapter 2, the disciples are waiting in the upper room. Jesus told them, hey, go and make disciples, but don't do it until power comes. And they say, okay, so they're waiting up in the upper room. They're like praying. And then uh, mighty rushing wind, thing of fire. It's miraculous. It's supernatural. All of a sudden, they start speaking in other languages, they're babbling on. Uh, Holy Spirit is being poured out. It's incredible. This is like the first. Um, this is the day of Pentecost. This is powerful. They spill out into the streets. Some of them are making their way to the temple. And, and it says in verse 13, but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. And then other ones are like, no, that guy's say, speaking in this language. And, and I hear my home language, even though I'm not from around here. And they begin to like realize, no, no, no. And then... Peter goes on to start preaching boldly. He's not still like flopping on the ground. He, he stands up and he preaches boldly and 5,000 people get saved. It wasn't enough for the, for the Christians to just have their prayer meeting and to just stay in the upper room and feel the fire and get touched and, and have a, woo. this is great. Like, I can really feel him. I'm filled, brother. It was like, it spilled out and 5,000 people got saved. In Acts chapter 4, it says, uh, verse 31, it says, After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the word of God with boldness. It wasn't just amongst themselves. It wasn't just like, oh, we're going to have a conference, and Holy Spirit's going to fall. It's going to shake the building so powerfully. The Holy is going to fill us. And then we're all just going to high-five each other. Oh, that was a good conference. The building shook. Did you feel that? It was good. Holy Spirit was there. And then just like go home and lives be the same. From this, from this, like Acts chapter 4, the next passage talks about how they go into radical generosity in their community and the people that they're living with. People are selling homes and land and just bringing it to the apostles and saying, yeah, give this up to to whoever needs it. Like, here's a bunch of money. Like, just let's do the ministry. Like, let's do it. Let's change lives. Let's change hearts. It wasn't just, oh, let's be filled because it feels good. Let's be filled because that's what God said we should do. It was, no, the filling does something. It empowers us so that when we go out, people begin to look and say, oh, that's not them, that's the Spirit. Excellent. Let me pray for you guys. I'm going to invite Pastor Marcus up. He's somewhere. Uh, he's going to help me close this out, but let me, let me start by praying for you. Father God, we, um, we have been cautioned this morning about living a conservative life. You have warned us not to, not to hold on to pride, or to control, but instead to surrender everything. That for you to truly live in us, we have to die to ourselves. And and that doesn't necessarily look like us berating ourselves or hurting ourselves or going without. That's not how we die. We die by surrendering. We die by giving up uh, our pride, by giving up our entitlements, by giving up what uh, anyone owes us and instead being so filled with the Holy Spirit that we, are, uh, that we are no longer operating in our own mind, but we're now under control of the Spirit. Father, I pray that you would help us to get there. Lord, I, I, I thank you that you have given us access to this, that this isn't something beyond our reach, that this isn't something just for the super apostles, that this isn't something just for special people but instead this is how you make people special is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't just want a little. We don't want to be conservative in this. We don't want to hold back. We don't want just a a little portion, but Lord, we want the whole thing. And so Father, we ask for all that you have for us in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, Lord. Wow, thank you, Andrew. When Andrew was talking about reputation, this verse came to my mind. It says, God visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his own name. Or we can say a people for himself, or we can say he took from the nations, that's us, a people for his own renown and glory. And I was just thinking, Lord, answer this prayer in us. Fill us in such a way that we get our eyes off of our own reputation, off of our own everything that Andrew just preached. And we have a vision for his renown, for his glory, for his name, even if we look ridiculous at times. And actually, most of the time, guys, we don't look ridiculous. Most of the time, there's power, there's glory when we step out in faith. Sometimes there's not. And then we just go, okay, maybe we missed it. We humble ourselves. But I was thinking in my life, when I've taken that risk for his glory, when I've, when I've longed to be filled with overflowing, he is a longing. For me to be longed to for that, it says in a uh, second chronicles chapter sixteen that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro to find a people that will be loyal to him so that he can strongly support them by pouring out his spirit and with acts of power so let's just do this I I think the best way to end this would be for us just to stand, if you wouldn't mind. And we're just going to break up into groups of three and four and five. Just whoever's around you, turn around if they're around you, come near groups of three and four and five. And we're going to ask God to do this in us. If you, if you need to leave, you can leave. But I want to encourage you, take five, six, seven minutes. And pray for one another with this. And say, Lord, help us to do this together. God, help us to be a people for your own renown. And then prophesy over one another. And if someone isn't, hasn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptize them in the Holy Spirit. All of that stuff, okay? All right, Lord, we just thank you for this message. We thank you that you were not a conservative God, but you gave it all. We thank you that you are that perfect example that we look to, and we want to look just like you, Jesus. And we ask you for that grace. We ask you that we wouldn't be drunk with wine, but we would be filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.